That's why we're here this morning, amen? As your pastor, I have tried to continue to learn since the Lord put me in the pulpit. And for a handful of years, I often thought that I'm here just to be a blessing to the people. But the Lord showed me that might be one of my jobs, but I'm here to please Him. Period. Amen. Numbers chapter 9 this morning. Numbers chapter 9. Getting back into the great, exciting book of Numbers. <laughs> All right. And you know, I'm not a good joke teller. I told a skunk joke this morning. It really stunk. <clears throat> and, uh, and I told that little joke there, and it just rolled off the pulpit. Like I said, I t- some people tell jokes because they're good at it, and people want to hear them, and I tell them just so you feel sorry for me. <laughs> Amen. Numbers chapter 9 this morning. And once you get your spot there, I'll have you stand just for a second. We'll read a couple verses. Numbers chapter 9. I'm just going to read the first five verses. We could read the chapter, but we won't do that for the sake of you uh, maybe wandering off into space there. Bible says here in Numbers chapter 9, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year, after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. In the fourteenth day of this month, at even, ye shall keep it in his appointed season, according to all the rites of it, and according to all the ceremonies thereof, shall ye keep it. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month, and even in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so did the children of Israel. All right, Dad, would you ask a blessing on the preaching this morning? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And that is, again, why we're here today is to draw closer to Jesus Christ. We're not here to fill up a time slot. We're not here to gather as a club, even though it's good to see y'all that are here. Amen. And here in Numbers chapter 9, we encounter encounter what would seem some more, I'm going to sound sacrilegious when I say it, meaningless information. Uh, as they would say, now for news that you cannot use. And the chapter is split up into three different pieces. I'll just give it to you real briefly. Uh, Verses 1 to 5, the Lord speaks to Moses about keeping the Passover. Verses 6 to 14 cover the exceptions to the rule on keeping the Passover. It's exciting, isn't it? Uh, And verses 15 to 23 describe the cloud that guided the wilderness journey. But tucked away inside these passages of Scripture, I think, are some important things for you and I. If you take your Bible real briefly, go to Matthew chapter 4. I want to read you a verse that we've been referring to. Because I believe that this book is extremely important. Not as just a banner in which we trumpet and wave around and say, wave the answer back to heaven, amen. And I'm glad the Bible's our banner and not some man, not some preacher, not some uh, you know, guru. But the Bible is our banner. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, But he answered and said, this is Jesus speaking, 
It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word. And so the more you consider that verse of Scripture, Numbers chapter 9 is just as important as John 3.16. Numbers chapter... 1 Chronicles chapter 1 through 10 is just as important as 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4 that talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, you really believe that? I do. Every word is important. Every word is important. And I believe that the more that I can personally apply that and learn to review each passage of Scripture with that same importance and, and stop just grazing over and learn to go ahead and appreciate the names that I cannot pronounce. There are some names in this Bible that have more syllables than should be legally allowed to have. If you name your kid Maher Shalahal Hashbash, shame on you. He's going to hate you. But that was Isaiah's son. I don't even know how many syllables. You have to figure that one out. But every word's important, and I believe there's some things in Numbers chapter 9 that you and I need to be reacquainted with. Um, remember when you were a kid, some, you'll have to think way back now, remember when you were a kid and your parents would go away and do something, they would say, now remember to clean the house. Now remember to feed the cows. Now remember to clean your room. And many times you just forgot. <laughs> As I look at Numbers chapter 9, and, and I'll be honest with you, it wasn't, it wasn't some, some passages of Scripture, some chapters I can go, ooh, look at that great preaching outline in there. You can see them. And the more you sit under preaching, even if you're not a preacher, you can go, oh, yeah, that'll preach. And you can see the points, and you can see the verses kind of lift off the page a little bit or highlight themselves. It, it didn't really happen that easy with this one. And I'm looking at it, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, Lord, I believe every word is there. And I'm like, it's got to be there somewhere. And finally, eventually, after, I don't know, a couple times, three, four, five, six, twelve hundred times reading the chapter, uh, there are some things I see that we need to remember and personally apply. And that's the whole thing about the Bible. You and I have to understand, unless you're able to personally apply it, it doesn't do any good to rightly divide it. Now, some of you might think I'm a heretic with that. That's fine. You can rightly divide it all day long, but if you can't walk out that door and personally apply this book, What's it going to do for you? It's just going to become a book that makes you have a bigger hat size every time you leave the church. I don't know about you, but I need a book that I can walk out of here and use it tonight when I get home. I need to be able to walk out of this church house on Monday morning when the alarm goes off, and I don't get up as my wife reminds me sometimes, that I can still use that book every single word. So I really believe here today in Numbers chapter 9, there's some things that you and I need to remember and they're given to Israel. So we're going to have to personally apply the chapter, aren't we? Amen. Can I give you just a couple things that I think some things that are necessary to remember this morning? Can I say, number one, you and I need to remember that the Lamb of God delivered you. Look at verse 2 in Numbers chapter 9. Something simple, but something you, some of you need to remember today. Uh, chapter 9, verse 2, the Bible says, Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at His appointed time. Now that Passover goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 12, right? When the children of Israel about ready to get out of Egypt, all nine plagues have gone through. They're about ready to meet the death angel, right? And the Lord's about ready to take the death angel and wipe out every firstborn in the land of Egypt, and they're going to get out of here. Can I tell you that that's a picture which most of you know and a type of when you got saved? 
that Passover lamb. That's a picture of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't remember what has not been done for you. But if you're here today and you're saved, can I say this? You need to remember that the Lamb of God delivered you. And you know what's going on right here in this passage? Numbers chapter 9. It has been one year since they left Egypt to the day. And you see that in Numbers chapter 2. It's been one year. And you need to be reminded of that because the day you got saved, you got saved like that. It wasn't a process, amen? It wasn't a progression. It was like you saw the need to be saved. You realized that you were going to go to hell because that's what the Bible said. If you didn't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're like, no, I don't want to go to hell there. That doesn't sound like any kind of picnic or summer vacation that I want to take there. And if I don't trust Jesus Christ, I'm going to go to hell. So you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You believed that His death on the cross was the only substitutionary penalty that, or the payment for your sin. You believed that, and He saved you just like that. Can I just say this morning, some of you need to remember that you've been delivered by the Lamb of God. I don't know what kind of week you just went through, what kind of month you're having, what kind of a decade you're having, but you need to remember this morning that you've been delivered by the Lamb of God if you're saved. I find it interesting there's been one year to the date. One year to date. You know what? Some of you forgot last week that you were delivered. Let's just be honest. We're in church. Don't worry about lightning or none of that stuff. Some of you forgot last week that you were saved. Aren't you glad he doesn't forget? <laughs> Bible says over there in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, He that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad he doesn't forget? I mean, you forgot last week. Some of you forgot last month. Maybe some of you forgot yesterday. I don't know, maybe some of you, you've, you have realized that the Lord's delivered you, saved you uh, for over a year. Maybe it's just not important. That's why you need to revisit. You need to remember it. And that's why we're taking the time this morning not to explain to you some deep doctrinal truth that you can't use, but how about you just need to remember that Jesus Christ saved you from your sin and He saved you from hell. Isn't that a blessing? And the Lord is talking to Moses one year from the day that they came out of Egypt saying, look, you all need to remember this. And you all need to keep the Passover. And keeping that Passover, he says, you're going to keep all the rites. You're going to keep it. Now, we're not worried about rites and ceremonies this morning, but we're concerned about remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. Why? It'll keep you from lose, uh, losing your ever-loving mind. I mean, when you take a look at what's going on in this old world, this circus out here, amen, it's a circus. Uh, Lester Olaf said this world is an insane asylum and run by the inmates. You see the people in charge of this place and then you realize that the devil is the one in charge running this joint. You know why it's in the mess that it's in. And it just behooves you and I to take a step back this morning and go, Oh, thank you, Lord. I remember that day. Might have been a while ago, but I sure am thankful that I'm saved. Thankful, Lord, for the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That's your Lamb. You chose, you took that lamb for yourself. You allowed that lamb to be your sacrifice so you wouldn't have to spend eternity in a place called hell. And this morning, you and I need to remember that the lamb of God delivered you. Over there in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, where you get all that thing out, if you want to turn there just for a second, I want you to see just a couple verses about the Passover lamb there and how it pictures Jesus Christ. But another reason you and I need to remember that we've been delivered by the lamb of God, not only because we forget... Because it happened so fast. 
You see what I mean? Over in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, do you know how they were supposed to eat the Passover lamb in Egypt? They were supposed to eat it in haste. You ever stop and think about that type? When you got saved, it was like, yeah, you're saved. Just now. He says you're supposed to eat it in haste uh, with your staff in your hand and your shoes on your feet. Why? Because the Lord is about ready to blow the doors off that thing in Egypt and y'all getting out of here. Amen? And you know, just as fast as you got saved, He could come back that quick. He could come back that quick. And you need to remember that. Exodus chapter 12 verse 11 says you're supposed to eat that Passover lamb with your loins girded, with shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. Not only that, but don't turn there. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. When you got saved, you were delivered from the power of darkness, and you were translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. It's like flipping a switch when you got saved. I mean, the light was off. You were in darkness. That's the power of darkness. Colossians 1 13. And the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the moment you remembered uh, you allowed the Lamb of God to be your sacrifice, you were immediately translated in the kingdom of His dear Son. Just like that, it was that fast and you're easy prone to forget it. Just like the old hymn writer talks about the Lord Jesus Christ is prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Just as easily as we can be distracted, you are saved just like that. And so I'm calling to remembrance this morning that the Lamb of God delivered you. The Lamb, and you can't forget that. And sometimes it just behooves you and me to take a step back and go, I'm saved. It's going all crazy around me. I don't see any hope for this country. I don't see any hope for where I'm at. I don't see any hope in this situation. But thank you, Lord, I'm saved. (laughs) Because if it all falls apart and the rapture happens tomorrow, this is the worst it'll ever get. you got to remember that. Why? Because some of you are going to lose your mind this week because you forgot that you've been delivered by the Lamb of God. Doing all right this morning. Take your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You say, well, you're preaching up north. You can't preach like that. I I must be a southerner stuck in a northern body. Amen. I get a little excited when I preach 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I heard one fellow, he says, you're very formal when you preach. I said, I'm formal? Uh, Because I always think I'm a wood tick. He says, no, you ain't a wood tick when you preach. Well, I guess that's just out in the woods. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. You need to remember this morning, Christian, what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to stir you up. Amen. Some of y'all stuck in the mud this morning. Some of y'all depressed, disgusted, discouraged, and all the rest. And you've been thinking about yourself all morning. I want to get you thinking about Jesus Christ and what He's done for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. The Bible says, Who delivered us, amen, from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust, He will yet deliver us. And I know some of you know this, but He's delivered you threefold. The Lamb of God has delivered you threefold. When you got saved, you know what He did? He delivered you from the the penalty of sin. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ, you've got to remember that He delivered you from the penalty of sin, which was hell and eternal damnation. He had delivered you, that Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 10. He's delivered you in the past when you got saved from the penalty of sin. The next thing He's delivered you from is He delivers you every day from the power of sin. Now here's the glory of this thing. Once you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says over in the book of Romans that you're no longer the servant of sin. Isn't that a blessing? 
see, before you got saved and, and the devil would whisper or some demonic influence would whisper in your ears to do something wicked, you'd just say, yes, sir, yes, daddy, I'll get right to it. And you never question it. And you just sin. Why? You had to sin. Your master, your father was the devil. But the moment you trust Jesus, trusted Jesus Christ, He delivered you from the penalty of sin. And now, as a Christian, if you sin, it's because you choose to sin. You see that? You can't say, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You made yourself do it, you rascal. I said it with a smile on my face. He's delivered you when you got saved from the penalty of sin, and now daily he'll deliver you from the power of sin. You say, well, he ain't been delivering me lately. You ain't been asking for the power either. And you sin because you want to sin. No, I don't want to sin. Baloney, you sin because you want to sin. Because the Bible says you are no longer the servants of sin. So, But now he delivers you and he will deliver you every day from the power of sin. But here's the greatest part of Calvary yet. Because Jesus Christ died on that cross and the Lamb of God delivered from the penalty of sin, he's delivering you daily from the power of sin. One day when the rapture takes place, you go by the way of the grave, you'll be forever delivered from the presence of sin. I'm looking forward to that day. I might not always be able to get excited about being saved, and I know that's heresy and all that stuff, but just thinking about one day when the rapture takes place and the Lord catches us away, amen, in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and the dead in Christ shall rise first, I'll finally be with Jesus Christ forevermore, and I'll never have to check my thoughts ever again. I'll never look at something and have to adjust what I think about it. I'll be able to let any thought come through this uh, mind it is, and I'll have the mind of Jesus Christ. i have the body of Jesus Christ. And hey, I'm just trying to encourage you this morning that as Israel was reminded to keep the Passover, you and I need to be reminded to remember we've been delivered by the Lamb of God. Just good to be saved this morning. Not only do you need to remember that you've been delivered by the Lamb of God, can I give you number two this morning? You find Numbers chapter 6, number 2 that the things of this life will try to derail you. Not only do you need to remember that the Lamb of God delivered you, but I need you to realize through the passage that there are things in this life trying to derail you. And you see it in Numbers chapter 9, verse 6. Numbers chapter 9, 6, I think it goes like this. There were certain men, right? And these certain men, they couldn't do something. Guess what it was? They couldn't keep the Passover. There's always somebody that can't do what God said to do, right? Well, you know, I've got to stay home and wash my hair. You say, that's a terrible example. You give me a better one, I'll preach it, amen. I'm just saying, you have to be careful. You have to remember that there are things in this life that you and I live that are going to try to derail you from obeying God and trying to derail you from serving God. Numbers chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, And there were certain men, they could not keep the Passover on that day. There always seems to be exceptions in the Christian life where God's people can't do what God said to do. I find it interesting that the Lord puts this seemingly boring passage of Scripture. And there are certain men here, and they went here and did this, and they couldn't do what God said to do. And Christians are just like that, and you'll be like that if you're not careful. Why? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. In the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And because we love ourselves so much, we have become the exception to all the rules. You know, here's the rule. The rule is, or the law is, you drive 55. 
and two out of 50 drive 55. Why? Because I'm the exception. And Johnny Love, he'll never catch me because I only go five over. And then the one time I was actually going the speed limit, they pulled me over. <laughs> Why? Uh, Mr. Evans, your uh, license plate lights were a little bit dim. I'm like, oh, come on. You say, what is he trying to do? They get you too? Yeah. They're fishing. That's not the point. Lest I digress. <laughs> I might be a little bit bitter. Amen. But I'm just trying to get you to realize things of this life will try to derail you. And what you have in the scriptures here is some seamless information that's boring to look at. But there are some men who kind of were off the rails, weren't they? And they'd been defiled by a dead body. And this is Old Testament stuff, so we're not trying to look at all the law stuff. We're trying to say this. Uh, some people love to make excuses why they can't do what God's told them to do. Take your Bible just for a minute. I want to preach just practically for a little bit. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. There always seems to be exceptions in the Christian life where God's people can't do what God told them to do. And you see this right in the book of Numbers. And what happens is, is these people, they have a reason why they can't do what God said. But you're going to find out later, they don't let them stop that from going on. In other words, they go off the rails, there's a legitimate reason, then they go back on the rails. You and I would say, they got back on track. But why is it in the Christian life, and you'll be able to relate to this, and I can relate as a fleshy Christian many times, we all like to make excuses about stuff. We know what we should do. Luke chapter 14, verse 18, you see that all were bidden to the supper. You know what this Lord, this, uh, this Lord, of course, is a picture and type of Jesus Christ. He just wanted everyone to get a meal. He made a great supper. And he invited everybody to come. He said, come, you're all bidden. I prepared this for you. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 14 and verse 18, that they all with one consent began... To be Baptists, <laughs> to make excuse. That's funny, y'all can laugh. Now here's the first excuse. First excuse is land. The Bible says, I bought a piece of ground and cannot come. I pray thee, have me excused. This first fellow, he's got, he's got some land. Real estate's up, they say. Everything's up. Everything's up. Great time to sell your house, but good luck finding one. <laughs> You'd be living in a mud hut. First excuse is land. The second excuse is livestock. That old feller says there around 18, 19, I bought five yoke of oxen. I pray thee have me excused. That's ten, that's ten cows. That feller bought ten cows and he had to go, he had to go test drive them. You know what I mean? I could figure out whether or not it's a ten horse deal, you know, a ten cow deal. And of course, here's a here's a comical one. Oh, men, you can relate. The third excuse is a lady. You've got land, livestock, and a lady. He says this, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And I want you to understand this, men, that you notice this fellow, he's smart, because he did not ask to be excused. He was married, and he just said, I ain't coming. <laughs> the other two asked permission not to be there. He's married. He's like, i got a wife. I can't go. Sorry about that. I'm just saying, look, you have to remember that you're going to be tempted to allow things in this life to derail you, from obeying and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the rule is, right? Romans chapter 12. The rule isn't what your pastor says. The rule is the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a 
living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto, not the preacher, which is your reasonable service. Wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So the Lord's a very reasonable God, isn't He? You know what He expects you to do? He expects you to offer your body as a living sacrifice. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He owns you. He bought you with a price. What am I supposed to do, preacher? Offer my body as a living sacrifice. Well, uh, I can't. Uh, i got to work. Ooh, okay. The Bible gave your excuse a while back. i got to work too. Uh, I can't, you know, <laughs> the wife. <laughs> I've seen it. Preacher, I'd come, but she, she doesn't like your preaching. Well, get in line, sweetheart. <laughs> True story. Yeah, right? You say you're being, you're being foolish. No, I'm being serious. I've married a wife, therefore I can't come. Have a good time, y'all. Or, you know what, uh, i got to go take care of business over here. Got land, got possessions, got livestock, got a lady. Why in the world do Christians allow themselves to be messed up and derailed by excuses? We are living in the excuse generation, are we not? We're now living in the cancel culture. I'm not being mean. I'm just being truthful. I haven't even touched, I haven't even scratched the surface. Every one of you that are still working secular work know exactly what we have produced. We have produced as a nation is now a generation of people that will not work. But they sure are good at excuses. My grandma died. How many grandmas you got? You've been to six funerals for your grandma already. I was uh, managing an ice cream company, and this fella, about the fourth grandma, I'm like, wait a minute here. Well, you know, step-grandma. Oh, step-grandma. Right? It, it happens. But they had so many grandparents kicking off, I'm like, what do you attest to, baby, or what? We're good at excuses. And I'm just saying this morning, not only do you have to take the time and remember that the Lamb of God delivered you, He saved you from hell, He saved you from, and He's delivering you daily, and one day He's going to deliver you from the presence. You have got to stop and remember that things in this life are going to try to derail you. And see, when you stop remembering that things in this life are going to derail you, that's when you get derailed. And that's when you stay derailed. It's one thing to get off track. I've been off track many times. By His grace, He's helped me get back on. But you have got to realize, you've got to remember, when you walk out that door, the devil, if he can't get your soul, he wants to derail you, and he'll use your flesh, he'll use the world, and he'll use his own influences, whether or not it's the television, anything you stick your face in front, to try to get you off track. He's going to try to derail you. Now what derailed these men in Numbers chapter 9 verse 6 was defilement and death. Can I just say this? There are things in this world that definitely will defile you. Just simply working in this world and rubbing shoulders with this world, what it does is it puts something on you. That's why church is important. That's why Bible reading is important. That's why prayer is important. Why? Because you cannot walk through this world without getting it on you. It's like thinking, I'm going to walk through the pig pen this morning 
and I ain't going to get no hog dewy on me. Baloney, you're going to get full of hog dewy. And you walk through this world, it's just like walking through a pig barn is what it is. And you need to get in front of that book and you need to get on your knees and you need to get in the house of God and get cleaned up. I'm just saying you got to remember, there's things in this life going to derail you. This week, there is a derailment set for you. you got to remember that. But I want you to notice in Numbers chapter 9 verse 11, just trying to stir you up this morning. Numbers chapter 9 verse 11, that these men, they don't stay derailed. They don't stay derailed. They couldn't, they couldn't take the Passover. They get back on track. And in Numbers chapter 9, verse 11, it says that they were to take of the Passover instead of the first month. There now, they partake of the Passover the 14th day of the second month. You say, what does that mean? The Lord says, okay, you're dirty. You, didn't, you weren't able to clean up. The Lord's like, I get it. 30 days from now, be here. Take of the Passover, present your offering to me. Don't be empty-handed. That's what the Lord says. He gives them a chance to get back on track. Notice that it takes a while once you get off track to get back. Right? It's just like, the, it's just like Luke chapter 2, is it? Or Luke chapter 4, where Mary and Joseph, they don't get the parent of the year award. They leave Jesus at the Jewish room in the temple, right? And they take off and they thought that Jesus Christ was with their family, with their friends, and the Bible says their acquaintances, and they lose Jesus Christ for one day but it takes them three days to get back. And here, they get derailed. It takes them 30 days to get back on track where they should have been with the Lord. I didn't even say it was their fault. How many times have you been derailed and you know what? It just wasn't your fault. You just thought, like, you're along for the ride. And you're part of someone else's derailment and you're there for, like, moral support and next thing you know... You're not able to read your Bible. Next thing you know, it's taking you out of church because you're hooked up with them and you've been defiled. And now spiritually, if you're not careful, it'll try to kill you. And it took what? It took 30 days to get back on track. What I'm trying to say is you've got to remember that derailment's coming your way. But if you go off track, at least get back on. You've got to get back on. You can't stay off the rails. I have been off the rails. But you got to get back on. And I'm just saying this morning, remember that the Lamb of God deliver you, and you remember that things of this life, they're going to try to derail you. They're going to try to derail you. And maybe you're here today and says, yeah, well, I'm derailed and I'm in church. What about that? All right. Well, maybe you just need to draw closer to Jesus Christ and drop the attitude. Maybe you just need to start being a little bit more thankful that He delivered you. And stop thinking that your family is the enemy. And stop thinking that your friends are the enemy. And stop thinking that everyone's against you. I'm trying to help you this morning, stir you up for Jesus Christ. Some things worth remembering. If you get off track, you've got to get back on. Christian, you and I can't be the exception to the rule. Look at Numbers chapter 9, verse 14. And this generation that you and I live in has taught us that we're number one. That's why everyone wants to be number one in sports in America. You've never saw, seen an American uh, Olympian happy with a silver. We are Japheth. We are Japhethites. We're the older brother. We have to be number one at everything. The Eastern countries, they're happy if they get a medal. But you cannot let the society that you live in dictate how you're going to behave, how you're going to act. 
And you cannot be the exception of the rule. Look at Numbers chapter 9, verse 14. Numbers chapter 9, verse 14, I want you to say this. I want you to see this. The Lord told the people, Ye shall have one ordinance both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. You say, what are you saying? The Christian life is not centered around you and your agenda, but God. That's why even in the law, in the Old Testament, there was one ordinance for the stranger and for him that was home born. You say, what do you mean? You are not the exception to the rule. You've got to stop thinking, I'm the exception to the rule. No, you're not. You're derailed as what you are. Or deranged, both. But you went off track. You're not the exception. You're not going to be okay if you stay off the track. What I'm saying is you're not going to be okay spiritually if you, if you neglect your fellowship with Jesus Christ. You are not the exception to the rule. You're off the track. You're off the rails. It's not okay. And in 14, he says, look, there's one ordinance for both the stranger and for him that is homeborn. You're not the exception to the rule. You've got to get back on no matter how long it takes. That's the thing you have to remember this morning. Can I give you the last one? You need to remember here in Numbers chapter 9, verse 23, that the Lord will direct you. The Lord will direct you. Verse 23, the Bible says, uh, chapter 9, 23, the commandments of the Lord, they rested in the tents, and at the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. And here we see God's people being led by the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, you see the cloud leads them by day and the appearance of fire by night. You know the stories, right? You know how the children of Israel was led through the world. What a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit of God leading His people. And when the cloud moved, they moved. And when the cloud stayed, they stayed. That's verse 19. And what you need to remember this morning is not only did the Lamb of God deliver you the day you got saved, not only will things in this life seek to derail you from serving and obeying God. Listen, listen. Not to re-preach that second point, but exigent circumstances, emergent circumstances are going to try to derail you this week and tell you that because this is going on, you don't have to obey what God wants you to do. The temptation is going to be to get derailed, get off track. You've got to stay on track with Jesus Christ. But here, most importantly, as the chapter comes to a close, I want you to remember that it's the Lord who will direct you if you let Him. The Lord will direct you. Not only did the Lamb of God deliver you, not only will life seek to derail you, but the Lord will direct you. And God's people are being led by the Holy Spirit. And listen, the moment you got saved, the Lord Himself promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Now look, if he's not going to leave you, you stuck with him. He said when he gave you the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would come in and live with you forever. You stuck with him. We're not Armenian. We don't believe you can lose it either, amen? Once you're saved, he comes in and moves in forever. But if he's stuck inside of you, amen, glad he is, he's there for a reason. And that is to lead you. And that is to guide you. Yes, the Lord's given preachers and He's given teachers and so forth and so on for the body of Christ. But it is the very Holy Spirit of God that will lead you if you let Him. But then again, it all comes down to will you let Him? Will you surrender? And why we as Christians don't have the power in our Christian's life is because we refuse to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit and we just insist on doing what we want to do. 
Bible says over in Psalm chapter 119, verse 9, He says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Can I give you just a couple verses this morning that might help you this week? Look at Isaiah chapter 58. These are important verses that devotionally tell you that the Lord will lead you if you let Him. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 11. I want to give you about three or four. I want to put some ammo in that gun. Amen? And you carry it around this week and when you struggle, you're tempted to be derailed or go off track or do things your own way. You pull up these verses and say, Lord, you said you do this. Now, whatever it is I got to do, help me to do it so you can lead me. Isaiah chapter 58, look at verse 11. The Bible says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually. You see that? The Lord shall guide thee continually. It's not once a year. You know, the individuals that show up to church like Christmas and Easter, that's not how the Lord works. That's like going to a restaurant. There's a couple of restaurants we go to once or twice a year. You know, you leave a tip. Okay, great. Food is okay. But the Lord wants to guide thee continually. That's more than just twice a year. Isaiah 58, 11, The Lord thy God shall guide thee continually. The back part of that verse is like a spring of water whose waters fail not. You see that? He's going to guide thee continually and He's going to be like a spring of waters and He's never going to fail you. His leadership will never fail you. His sustenance will never fail you. His power will never fail you. Take a look uh, this morning at uh, Psalm chapter 43, verse 3. Psalm 43, verse 3. I'm telling you this morning, you need to remember that the Lord God will direct you if you let Him. And why Christians are so much in a mess in 2022 is because they're the ones steering the ship. Yeah. That's true whether or not two people are the only ones that amen it. You're steering the ship. You see over back uh, when I was a kid, it was a God is my co-pilot. You better not be your co-pilot. Why? Because you're a terrible driver with your life. You know, Jeremiah said, we'll get to Psalm in a minute. Jeremiah chapter 10, I believe it's verse 35. You know, Jeremiah said, I'll paraphrase it because I'm forgetting exactly the wording of the king's English here. He's like, I'm so pathetic, I can't even direct my own steps. That's Jeremiah. He's a pretty good fellow. I mean, you haven't written anything that the Lord put in the Bible. But the Lord put the book of Jeremiah in there. No converts, no ministry, no ministries. 52 chapters by the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, Lord, I'm not, he says, I can't even direct my own steps. That's why you need his guidance. Why? Can I just say this? Some of y'all, you're too stupid to. You're not smart enough to direct your own path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my, you know why? Because my words ain't cut it. My words ain't no good. I can't even make the right decisions. Lord, turn me. All right, Psalm 43, verse 3. The Bible says, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. You see that? Light is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. Truth is a picture of the Word of God. John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know what you need? You need the leading of the Holy Spirit and your nose in that book to get the right guidance in your personal Christian life. Every word of God is important. Even Numbers chapter 9. You need to remember that the Lord delivered you. I'm telling you what, it'll keep you sane this week. Why? Because there's a lot of things about this week you're going to look at. They're not going to make any sense at all. And you're going to look at some things going on in this world and go, God, you made this place? And the Lord's like, yeah, but I turned it over to the devil. Not even what's a circus show. 
Let me give you a couple more. Psalm 32, verse 8. Almost done here this morning. The Lord God will direct you if you let Him. I guess the real question this morning is, do you really want the Lord's direction in your life? Are you happy with the train wreck you got going on right now? You know why I say that? Because my life is often a train wreck if I try to take over. You say, oh, but you're a, you're a pastor of a Baptist church. Yeah, even more so a train wreck. I tell you what, the moment I'll, I'll leave here tonight when I'm done preaching the last sermon, and I'll go home, and, and there's, I'm already depressed. There's no NASCAR in the night. But anyways, I'll go home, and if I get to watch a race before I go to bed, the Lord will start bugging me about Wednesday. You say, well, I need His direction. I need His guidance. I wonder why we don't do that in our own personal life. Every time we turn around, we're going home and we're unplugging. I've got to unplug. I've got to have some me time. Oh, I don't know what to do. Well, you don't know what to do. You've got a book. It'll tell you. Psalm chapter 32, verse 8. Look at this one. This is an especial to me. The Bible says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Doesn't that sound like a loving heavenly father that wants to direct your life? He didn't save you and said, well... Well, you're a bad apple, but I'm glad I got you. See you at the millennium. He wants to guide thee. with. He wants to lead you. He wants to instruct you. But what do we do? We spin out of control. Why? We don't want His guidance. Many times we don't seek His direction. I'm telling you, the Lord God will direct you if you let Him. Let me give you one more this morning. Psalm chapter 73, verse 24. Psalm chapter 73, verse 24. The Bible says in Psalm 73, 24, hopefully, if nothing else, if you couldn't get to them fast enough, you at least wrote the references down. God wants to direct your step. He wants to direct your path, and He wants to use that book to do it. And the more you get into that book, the more you get His mind, and you get rid of your own mind. What causes you trouble is you. What causes you trouble is the way you think. What causes you trouble is your flesh, your habits, your practices. And the more this book you get into your head, the more you get his mind and his direction. The Bible says in Psalm 73, 24, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. Isn't that a blessing this morning? The great thing about the Word of God is it's never wrong. You never have to fact check it. It never needs updating. And he will constantly guide you with that book. If you'll but, but what preacher? Humble yourself and read it. Even just a little bit goes a long way, Christian. Can I stir you up to the book this morning? The very book that saved your soul. If it's good enough to save your soul, it's good enough to direct your steps at every venue in life. There's some things... Christian, that we must remember. Number one, the Lamb of God delivered you. You know what that is? Well, that's your thankfulness. That's your gratitude. You know what we're raising now? A nation full of people who are unthankful. You look around and see the great cost of freedom that our fathers and our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers paid for. We're not thankful for it at all. We expect it. Like, you owe me something. And then someone like a great monarch, like the Queen of England, passes away and people will make fun of all the, all the stuff that goes on and all the 
royalty and all the respect that's given. Why? We, don't, we haven't taught our, our children to respect anything but themselves. This pea brain of a people in this country can't even begin to imagine the respect given to a monarch. But that will change one day when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth. And let me tell you what, He will rule and reign. He will rule this earth, the Bible says, with a rod of iron, and then it will be bow the knee. You need to remember some things this morning that the Lamb of God, He delivered you if you're saved. Things in this life will attempt to derail you. That's the world, the flesh, and the devil. You say, why would you preach about that? Well, so you could be vigilant this week. So you could be cautious this week. So you could be skeptical this week of your own flesh. I want you to go into this week saying, you know what? I don't trust you. You look in the mirror, and not only you say you are ugly, you say you're a devil. Why? He that trusts in his heart is a fool. You can't trust your flesh this week. It's going to derail you. But listen, if you get derailed, at least get back on track. Even if it takes longer than you care for. Even if fellowship takes longer to get restored. And finally, he'll direct you this week if you let him. You've got to remember that. Take your hands off the reins of your life. And say, Lord, this is the most uncomfortable feeling ever but I'm giving you control of my life. You'd be surprised where he takes it. As Miss Curran comes to the piano this morning, we'll bow our heads just for a moment of prayer. Just some things I was hoping you could jot down to remember this week as we preach through the book of Numbers. Are you thankful this morning that the Lamb of God delivered you? Are you cautious about this week where things will attempt to derail you spiritually? They're going to attempt to derail your family. They're going to attempt to derail your finances and everything else. You've got to be on guard, Christian. You've got to be vigilant. You've got to be sober. The Bible says, For your adversary the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And finally, you're going to let him lead. Maybe you just take a moment and ask the Lord to direct your step this week. Maybe you need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You say, Preacher, I want to be led by the Lord. Well, then you have to get instructions from that book. You can't just say, Okay, lead me, Lord. You're going to have to read His Word. You're going to have to let Him guide you with His eyes, and His eyes are found in the Word of God. You're going to have to let Him guide you with His counsel, those as preachers, as teachers. I hope you can remember some things this week. That altar is open if you want to pray.